and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, preacher. Thank you very much. Well, amen. I've been praying. Oh, sorry. There you go. I've been praying for the last 10 minutes that the trumpet would sound. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm very honored uh, to be here to this meeting. And what a privilege. You fellas, like I said last night, you're heroes. And you're, you get this down now, you're men of God. Amen. You're men of God. Stand, having therefore stood. We live in a day where people don't really stand for anything, anything that comes along. But uh, bottom line is, we need to take a stand. Take your Bibles this, morning, this evening, this afternoon, I'll get it right. This afternoon, turn to the book of Genesis. I made it simple, Genesis, so I could find it, to be honest. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And then I knew some of the members of Cornerstone Baptist Church. I wanted to make it easy for them. <laughs> and uh, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I'm nervous. But I, I'm not nervous. I, I feel comfortable with the crowd I'm in. But I'm nervous because of him. I have an audience of one today. And so I'm, uh, it's interesting, Brother Wilkerson, years in ministry, been in ministry for 51 years, and I'm as nervous today as the first time that I preached, and I don't apologize for that, and I'm not looking for any sympathy, maybe a little bit, <laughs> I'm not, I'm really not, if you get up and walk out, God bless you, um, but I, uh, I realize whom I serve and who I stand before, and I don't take it lightly uh, this, more, this afternoon. I'll get used to that this afternoon. Genesis chapter 1, and we'll read the, the first two verses of Genesis chapter 1, first two or three verses. Let me say at the outset, I'm reminded as I stand here this afternoon, I'm reminded of the story of the teacher that was teaching some young children in school, and she wanted to teach them some things to do and some things to avoid, and she... Uh, she brought in um, a, a, a little glass of water and a little glass of alcohol, and she had a handful of worms. And she dropped some worms in the water, and uh, they swam around and cleaned themselves up, and it was just a beautiful sight. She dropped the worms in the alcohol, and uh, they probably took a big drink if they can do that. I don't know how worms feed. Took a big drink, and they fell to the bottom of the cup dead, as a doorknob and she said to them she said uh, now children what's the lesson right there <laughs> the guy puts his hands up he says if you got worms drink alcohol <laughs> sorry and the truth is uh, as we, we don't what I'm saying by that is we don't all understand clearly sometimes what's being said and what's being <laughs> preached. So you'll have to decipher for yourself. But we do have, we do have the very words of God right here, the King James Bible. And we got it right in front of us. And don't, listen, don't you ever even think of changing. Don't think of changing at all. 
Well, let's read a couple of verses and try to get on with this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. We'll stop right there. We'll read a bit more in just a few moments. Let's have a word of prayer together. Now, God, I ask, I beg of you, I plead with you that you would do that which only you can do, that you would take your words through a uh, humble and, yes, nervous servant and minister unto us in a very special way. Lord, I believe this to be true this afternoon. I believe there are most of us in this room have heavy hearts about something regarding the work of God. We have uh, spirits that are thirsty. I pray, dear God, that you'd see fit to fill us with your power, empty us of ourselves, and Lord, if there's anything powerful that will take place in this place, in this hour, and this the, the week to come as we serve you, it will be nothing less than the power of Almighty God. Lord, we want, we want your power. It's not by might nor by spirit, but by my power, saith the Lord. Dear Lord, we lift you up. We preach Jesus. We covet your word. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. If there's anything we need in this day and time, it's a moving of the power of God. Amen. Common synonyms for labor, our theme is labors together. Common words for that is labor, of course. How about grind? How about toil? How about travail? How about work? Labor applies to physical and intellectual work involving strenuous exertion. <laughs> I've heard the joke, and you have too. My dad used to say, son, he said, uh, how about some work? He said, you'd make a good machinist. Every time I mention work, you make a bolt for the door. <laughs> he said, I avoid work. That's an old joke, but it's my dad's. i got to tell it. But the truth is, we do not necessarily like uh, that, uh, that thought of work. But the truth is, this afternoon, regarding our, our theme, it's a great thing to work together. I'll be honest with you, I enjoy, I enjoy for 51 plus years, I enjoy working with my spouse in the work of God. I'll tell you what, what a blessing that is. There you learn unity, <laughs> and you learn how to overcome, and you learn how to settle disputes, and you learn so many things. It's a good thing to work together as husband and wife. It's a good thing to work together as uh, parents and children. That's a good thing right there. I uh, have three sons. My oldest son for a number of years was in our area and worked with us in the ministry, and he was in charge of junior church. And uh, we, had, uh, we had a very small building. The building seat about 175. Next door was a funeral parlor. I talked to the funeral director, and because I was a pastor and he knew I could send him some business, I asked him, I said, is there any space we can use? And uh, he said, we'd be glad to let you use space. 
And for several years, he allowed us to use the funeral parlor. We call it an annex. It was bigger than our building, but we call it an annex because we didn't put on our church brochure, we invite you over to the funeral parlor on Sundays. <laughs> it was the annex. And so um, my son taught junior church in there. He'd have 125 to 150 children every Sunday morning uh, in there, and he'd be standing at the, I- at the front of the chapel in the funeral parlor, and uh, he'd laugh. I'd sneak over there every once in a while while the service was going on to see what was going on in there. And, and it was hilarious. He'd be up there leading 125, 150 children. If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. I mean, it was crazy in a funeral home. <laughs> Remember one particular Sunday, we were having a big day, and we had both uh, facilities packed and had people meeting out in the backyard and some in buses. And um, uh, a couple were visiting the church, and they, uh, th- when they left, pastor uh, the man shook my hand and he said i've pastor i've seen something in this church i've never seen before i didn't want to (laughs) ask i didn't want to ask and i said sir what is that he said i saw people coming out of a funeral home laughing their heads off (laughs) he said i've never seen that anywhere loading up the buses so i enjoyed working with my sons i have three sons my second son matthew i'll never forget we're out uh, soul winning. We were working in a building. We covered all the doors, and the truth is we didn't get anywhere through the doors. Didn't get anybody to respond. We left some tracks on the doors and so on. And we're, wh- I said, let's go, Matt, let's go to the elevator. And uh, Matt said, Dad, there's another door. We missed it. The last door in the building, we knocked on it. We were invited in. And as a result, a mom and dad, the, the lady was saved, the dad was not, and seven children came out to church. All those folks got saved, stayed in church for a long period of time. That was, that was 35 years ago. Six months ago, I got a call from one of the young men in from Toronto, and he somehow got a hold of my number and how he could reach me, and he said, hi, this is Devin. Are you Pastor Arbo that pastored the church and described the church? I said, yes, sir. He said, I just want to tell you, I'm still in church. I'm still serving the Lord. I'm an accountant. I helped down at the church house. And I thought, praise, hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got to let it go. But all I'm saying is I enjoy, it's, it's a good thing to work with your spouse. It's a good thing to work with your children. It's a good thing to uh, work with your friends. All, the truth is all my friends, basically most of my friends are in the ministry in some form or another. That's a good thing right there. It's a good thing to work with church folks. I mean the folks in your church. I realize that, you know, we have a pastor and we have the people. I understand all that. But man alive, there's there's nobody you shouldn't work with. There's nobody you can't help. I mean the the toughest. Hey, does God God not work on the toughest cases? He worked on you. (laughs) Amen? No, I'm just kidding. But God will work. God will work on you and on them as you work together. However, there's no greater experience than working with the Savior. I'll tell you what. Now it is Jesus and me working with Jesus. Christ is all I need. But kind of go on and say, and we'll get to the thought in a minute, but how about this? Working in lockstep with the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, other than that, 
all is in vain. You know the old song. All is in vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. We can have, I, I, love, I love seeing what, uh, what happens in churches. Matter of fact, let me take the time just to talk about this a little bit. Last year was an unusual year for Larry Arbo. And again, it's, it's my story. Everybody has their stories. I understand that. Last year in January, we heard about the conference. And brother, you were in Seattle for a little short period of time. And then here, just a couple weeks apart, I think. And I wanted to be in the meeting. Right? The, the, the I got prepared to drive to the meeting in Seattle. I wasn't feeling well. And uh, let it pass. Didn't go to the meeting. I said to my wife, let's drive to Edmonton. So we drove here. We got an Airbnb three blocks from here. Checked in. And within, I'm not exaggerating, within two and a half hours, the Lord allowed this to happen. Within two and a half hours, I was over at the big hospital over here. Alexander? Is that the name of it? Over at the hospital over there, having a, a issue with my heart. And so saw the doctor. The doctor patched me up sent, and said, you need to get home and see your family doctor. I went home, saw the doctor. We got things straightened out. And in February, I uh, was having some x-rays to uh, pr in preparation for knee surgery. Everybody's got their story. Don't ever ask people at the door, how's your health? I mean, you'll talk forever, right? <laughs> and that's what I'm doing. And so they took x-rays, and the family doctor called me, and he said, uh, we got the x-rays back, and he said, I'm concerned about something. He said, uh, you have uh, some kind of a problem with your bladder. Bottom line is, make the story real short, they discovered there were three pieces of cancer in my bladder. So the knee surgery got pushed off. And I had bladder surgery in, in May. That uh, took a big chunk out of my activities, obviously. And the doctor said to me, the bladder doctor said, he said, what do you plan to do for the summer? And I said, well, I don't really have any plans. I had to change things around. And he said, you know, he said, I'd recommend, he said, I know you, I know your schedule. He said, I'd recommend you uh, take some time off, do something that's fun. I thought, oh, my soul, he's not telling me. I've only got a few days left. <laughs> this is not fair. <laughs> and uh, so in about, and this is where I enjoy working with my spouse, working with my wife, we prayed and prayed and prayed late into the evening, a couple evenings, and within, within, I believe, about three days, we determined for us, I canceled some meetings, and we determined for us we were going to make a trip across Canada. From one end to the other. We went over to Victoria. I dipped my foot over there in the Pacific Ocean. Got in my uh, vehicle with the camper on the back. And I drove from one end to the other. But you know what? God had this planned. We took our time. Two and a half months. I visited churches all across the country. Churches. Some, I knew the pastor. I'd never been in his church. Or I knew about the church. I'd never met the pastor. Uh, some of these churches I was well, very familiar with, but uh, just simply didn't have opportunity to ever be there. And I, I don't know about you. I, I think we're on the same page here. I love my country. Amen. I love my country. I say, oh, Canada. <laughs> and I'm burdened about my country. But God allowed me personally, just Larry, uh, Larry and Reed, allowed us to travel and I mean, we had the time of our lives and we went to some wonderful places, some churches that just 
Well, I sing the song, Lord set my soul on fire. I was in church, independent, Baptist, Bible-believing, King James using churches where people are walking the aisle, people are getting saved. There's a group of soul winners out on Saturday. People are getting baptized. Things are happening down at the church. And I know, I realize, we, you know, we don't know too far beyond us or we may have friends here or there, but I saw it firsthand all across the country. Amen. I preached in a, a church in Montreal. I arrived in Montreal on uh, uh, late Wednesday afternoon. I called the pastor. I said, Pastor, I'm in town. I said, I'd like to come to your meeting. He said, great, come to the meeting. He said, you're preaching. I said, no, I'd like to sit out the meeting. He said, you're preaching. I went to the, uh, uh, the, the uh, church there, uh, and it's interesting. It's in a French province. I don't speak much French. I'm an English guy. I'm meeting with Filipinos, and they're meeting in a synagogue. That's quite a combination. I never heard that seriously. Yes, Manny Rivero was the pastor, and we had a time. And that church is on fire. It was fun. I mean, I'd never, I, I went up upstairs in the building, and I've seen rooms like I'd never seen those kind of rooms before because I'd never, oh, I've been in a synagogue a couple of times, but that was different. But all I'm saying, folks, is that God allowed me to see that for a period of time, and it, it challenged me, it challenged my heart, and uh, I, I, I kept saying, halfway home, I'm, so I'm, I'm saying, there is a God, there is a God. The church is alive, the church is alive, because we hear all the other sides of the story. We hear the other side. Well, brother so-and-so has left, or brother so-and-so has resigned, or, oh, they're having problems down at that church, or they can't have a meeting place, or whatever, whatever you're talking about. But I, so I got a taste of the country, and I'll tell you what, I got excited. Amen. And I, I, I wrote some things down. Made some notes as I traveled. I didn't, I didn't catch on until about Montreal. I should be doing that, coming back <laughs> west. And I wrote some things down, and this is interesting. And we did, we did go to a couple churches where I understand they're struggling. I understand all that. All we can do is help and pray, amen? But I wrote some things down and made some notes of some things I observed in those churches. And I believe one thing, I like it. I, lo I love the song that was played just a few moments ago. They sang, every, every one of them, without exception, I kept a record. Wednesday night songs, Sunday morning songs, Sunday night songs. They sang songs about the blood. Amen. Amen. I think that's a good thing. Yes, sir. They didn't hesitate to sing onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. They didn't hesitate to sing about that. That excited me. And then the preacher get up and said, take your Bible and turn to such and such. There was none of this other stuff that we hear about. Wow. That was exciting for me. So that, it opened my eyes. However, let me go on to say, I love the lively singing. I love the lively preaching. I love the soul winning. I love the, uh, the salvations and baptisms, and I love the, the bus ministries and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, in, in, my, in this past year, and I've listened to a lot of online stuff as well with uh, pastor friends around the country and uh, around North America and so on, and I've heard enough preaching to save the whole world. <laughs> I've heard some phenomenal music presented in these churches and other places. And I've, I've seen some amazing, phenomenal, phenomenal programs. I mean, if they don't work, you must be dead. I've seen that. I've seen the big days. I've seen the helpful conferences. I've seen, can I say, big days in sunny ways. Oh, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> it's in my notes. You know what I'm talking about. 
But the truth is, nothing but nothing but nothing happens without a movement of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm not talking about something freaky or something, something out of line or something that's off the wall. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what we read a while ago in Genesis chapter number 1 and verse number 1 where it said, The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. I'm saying we need that movement again. Amen. You see, God did not, yes, God created this world. The Bible speaks of six days and he rested on the seventh, not because he was tired, but because it was complete. That part was done. But understand, we have not seen God stop working. God is still working. We need the authentic, undeniable moving of Almighty God, first of all, first and foremost, in our own lives. Very easy to point to somebody else or very easy to point to the church. But first of all, I need the undeniable movement of God in my own life on a daily basis. The Spirit of God must move. I've, uh, I've seen the, uh, enough education to train the world about the Bible, and that's all good. And it's important. But the truth is we need the Spirit of God moving in that thing or nothing's going to happen. Undeniable movement of God. Let me give you uh, two or three thoughts that, uh, and again, I don't know if you call this preaching. I don't know if you call it uh, uh, speeching, uh, just talk, whatever. Whatever you determine it to be, that's okay. But this is something God laid on my heart, and I'm going to just do it Amen. as I see fit as the Lord leads. My thoughts, my heart my desire, testifying, whatever. Let me give you some thoughts. First of all, I want to talk about the world on which God moved. The world on which God moved. Let's look at it again. Look at your Bible, Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then look at verse number two. This is, this is the world on which God moved. Have you got that? The w this is the world on which God moved. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Did you get that? That's the kind of world yes, that God moved on right there. Understand, you see, in the beginning, God created. Boy, there's, you don't have to, hey, in your Bible, you don't have to go very far before you get a ton of truth, amen? In the beginning, God. That's a message right there in itself, and you probably preached it, but my soul, don't ever forget it, and don't ever bypass it. You see, we are not the outcome of some cataclysmic accident uh, or some great bang or explosion. Nonsense. Or like my preacher dad would say, baloney. <laughs> We're not that way. I stand on the B-I-B-L-E when the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the God of heaven, the God of this Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. And I stand upon the Bible. Genesis 1-1 has been under attack for a long period of time, longer than I've been around and longer than you've been around. But listen to this. Dog's been barking at the moon forever, and I saw the moon out last night doing its job. Amen? So understand. Let them bark. Uh, let, let, them, let them write. Let them, uh, let them criticize. It's been under attack, but I, I had the privilege of for a short period of time, when we first married, we lived in Toronto. We, we lived three blocks 
from the People's Church. I don't know if some of you know about the People's Church. Oswald J. Smith. He'd retired by then, but he preached once a month. And I watched this feeble old man in his 90s had to have help from his chair up to the pulpit. And he'd come up here and he'd say, I'm going to preach the Bible to you today. And he said, I'll tell you something. He said these words, preacher. He said, I stand on the word of God. And he said about this book, no defense, no attack. He said, God will defend his word. Now, I know where to stand for the word of God, but I, I never forgot that. This feeble old man could hardly hold the Bible up. But I want you to see this afternoon, the world on which God moved. I don't care what some Einstein brain scientist says. I'm not being disrespectful. There's true science, and you all know there's fake science, amen? So it doesn't matter to me what some scientist with all his documents might say about it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I don't care what some egg-headed professor, can I say that? It doesn't matter. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So you see, he is the creator, he and he alone. Now, I know this is so elementary. It's, it's, frankly, I put myself in a position of humility to even talk about it because you're going to say, well, is that all he's got to say? Yeah, that's all I got to say. The world was created by God with, listen to this statement, I don't totally understand it, but I'm going to say it, with less than nothing. There was nothing but God. That's it. It's hard for me to comprehend that. Someone may say, well, God, uh, uh, God stepped out from eternity into time and created the world. At that point in time, there was no time. It was just God. Now, God did step out. And you may say, well, God stepped out into the darkness. No, there was no darkness. And hey, wherever, you know what? Wherever God is, there's light. Huh? So with less than nothing, God created this universe. Then it says, it says something very interesting here. Let me just run through this quickly. It says, uh, and the earth was without form. First of all, let me talk about that a little bit. Without form. Without form, in my understanding, simply means worthless. Salt water, not divided from fresh water. Murky soil with no nutrients would not sustain plant life. No substance, no structure, no sense. Just in my finite mind, that's what I'm seeing. And by the way, I'm taking a Bible word. I'm not trying to uh, rework the uh, story of creation here, but it says without form. There was no form. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, some of you, a lot of you men, I think, are involved in the trades. You, uh, you, you pour some cement without building a form around it. You know what you got? Worthless. Now, I don't know a thing about construction. So all I'm saying is you've got, you got a pile of concrete you can't do nothing with. You can't do anything with. Without form. Worthless. And then it goes on to say, here, what does it say again? It says without form, and then it says void. Second word, void. Well, that's not, and by the way, that's, that's in your King James Bible, amen? Void, it says right there. So what does, do you understand what void means? Hey, let me ask you a question. Um, has anybody in the room ever written a check recently? No? Good. Oh, you've written a check recently? You probably have a telephone book at your house too then. 
<laughs> oh, that was unkind. I'm sorry. <laughs> you probably have a rotary phone. No, no, we, we still... I'm uh, sorry about that. Oh, you're my friend. I know what I'm going to do now. Oh, my. But what I'm saying is this. You have $200 in your bank account. You write a check to, is it EPCOR? There's the hydro people here. Ah, how about that? Yeah, that's right. And so they take that check to the bank. You've got the $200 in the bank account. And you send the check to EPCOR to pay for your uh, electric bill or your hydro bill. And I don't know if they used to do it I, I, well back in the day. I don't know if they still do it. I think they do. But the bank, at the end of the month or the first week of the next month, they send you back your checks, and they have a stamp on the check that says void, meaning it's empty. Your account is empty. You don't have a stinking thing left in your account. It's empty. This world was empty, it says. It was, it was worthless. It was empty. That's, that's what it says here. It's worthless. It's empty. And uh, it, it was void. And then there's another word. The Bible says darkness. Darkness. Look in your Bibles here. We'll read it again. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness. What does darkness mean? So understand. Worthless. Remember this. Worthless, number one. Number two. Void. Empty. Without form. And then it speaks of darkness. Now, what does darkness mean? Literally, darkness means the absence of light. Pretty simple. Figuratively, you know, and you can check this out. Just don't go to Mr. Google. But you can check this out. Figuratively, it means darkness means misery or miserable. Interesting. You see... That sounds accurate to me. I've had some miserable times in the darkness, both physically and, can I say, mentally, although I think I'm okay now. <laughs> but physically, mentally, and I've had, I've had some, hello, hello, I've had some dark days spiritually. Dark days. Which means, frankly, personally, in the wrong spot, miserable. Darkness, man was not made to function in the darkness. Darkness is good for, well, let's see, I, I guess I can say two things. Darkness is good for sleep. I don't like any lights on anywhere near me when I'm sleeping. I don't want an alarm clock with, the, with a light on it. I don't want a night light down the hall. I want dark because I want to sleep. And then darkness is good for uh, catching dewworms, for fishing. That's about it. <laughs> darkness, miserable. Matter of fact, can I say there are certain places, there are certain places in this world where there is sustained darkness at certain times of the year, and you can read about it, that the, these, these places where depression is rampant during the dark seasons. Now, I know there's some that muster on through. I've been to uh, Alaska and I've been uh, far north and so on. I understand uh, some of those uh, areas. I understand all that. And so all also... It's interesting that you can even find in some areas where there's a, a, an extended time of darkness at a particular time of the year, suicide rates go up. Darkness is not a good place. But the Bible says the world was without form, worthless. Number two, void, empty. Number three, darkness, or can I say miserable. Hmm. Mankind was not made to thrive in the darkness. 
Matter of fact, the Bible says in John chapter 3, the Bible speaks of the fact that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It's not a good place to be. I'm glad that I can say to any individual, when we talk about this, hey, hey did you get the picture here? That God created, God, God the Holy Spirit moved on a world that was without usefulness, that was empty and in a dark spot. Now you think about those, those three words I just mentioned, that gives me hope because that tells me that God can move in on my life when I'm in a dark spot, when I'm empty, and uh, when I'm not really feeling worth a lot. But also, hold on, think about this. Hmm. God is will God the Holy Spirit is willing to move on those outside these doors. Think about that. You can, and I, well, I'll just go ahead and say this because I've done it. You can walk eight blocks from this building right here, this building, Cornerstone Baptist Church, and you can find individuals laying on the sidewalk or sleeping under a tarp I've seen it with my own eyes. I've only been here a few times. With a needle hanging out of their arm, they're passed out. How about a guy sitting on a park bench just not very far from here with a bottle sitting behind him? He's passed out. He's got somebody else's robes wrapped around him. That is somebody's son or somebody's father. That is a dark place, can I say. That is a, uh, tell me that that individual does not feel worthless, and does not feel empty. All I'm saying, folks, is the Spirit of God makes the difference. Yeah. Amen? So not only, as I look around this room, I, I've, uh, I lived in, uh, for 25 years, I lived in Surrey, British Columbia. I don't know what you know about Surrey. Um, it's an interesting place. God put me there. But I, I, I saw pretty well everything that I could see. We had... Uh, one particular Sunday morning, you know, we're at our best on Sunday morning, and a man comes through the door, and he says, hey, church on? And I said, yes, sir, church is on. And the usher was there, and he said, how can I help you? And he said, show me to the men's washroom. Show him the men's washroom. The guy's carrying a duffel bag, and he goes in the washroom, and uh, he's in there, and crowd's starting to assemble, and the guy's still in the washroom. There's a line up at the door, the men's washroom, and so on. And so the usher, good man, he he said, uh, Pastor, he said, what do I do? Something's going on. I said, go give him a warning. Tell him. He's got to get out. Knocked on the door. No response. The guy knew it would be a friendly, warm place. Come in there to shoot up. He was in there with a needle stuck in his arm. All I'm saying is, and, and you know, I don't need to color it any greater, but to be honest with you, hey, how about this? I look around this room. I don't see anybody that's going to leave this place and go sit in a park bench and get drunk or go down to the... Uh, uh, to the, 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 the dope shop and buy some dope. I don't see that around. You know why? Because the God, the Holy Spirit, moved in on you when you were desperate, when you were without hope, when you were without help, when you were empty, God moved in on you and saved your wretched soul. And he's still in the soul-saving business right here in the book of Genesis. You don't have to go very far, do you, to find this out? It's right there. I'm not a, I'm not a wordsmith. Uh, talking about the emptiness and about being void and so on. But what I will say is this. 
it helps me take a look at what God will really do. Understand that God, the Holy Spirit, chose to move upon this earth. And understanding that the Holy Spirit of God is still willing to move. If God is willing and able to move on that kind of a world, back in the days of the first chapter of Genesis, he's willing to move today on your life and mine and then on those outside this building and around the world. That's all I'm saying. God has all power. God could have done things differently. But he came to that which was, what does the Bible call it? Without form and void and dark. And he chose, the Holy Spirit of God chose to descend upon that. Today, he's still doing the same thing. So, the world in which God moved, we've described that. But this is interesting as well as we go on here. What is the way in which God moved upon this world? The Bible says the Spirit of God moved, 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 agonized, hovered over, or the word, can I say, and you, you know this, the word moved there is similar to uh, the same word in the New Testament, to brood over. You get that? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? To brood over. Now, I don't know, do, do, you all, do you all know what that word means, to brood? I don't know, maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't. If not, we may have to go from the church house to the hen house to find out what that's all about. But I, uh, at home, I, when I retired, I, I bought a piece of property outside the city and lived in the country. And uh, I brought in some hens because I like eggs. And I like chicken. If I would ask you what you know about chicken, it may be something you say, well, it's something white between two pieces of bread. But the truth is that chickens supply you every day, amen? But the Bible says here that he moved or he brooded over this, over the world that retire, that at that time. Refers to the same action as a hen sitting on her nest. That's what he's doing. And God said the Spirit of God brooded over the world. It's very interesting. That hen that we talk about, again, we're getting a bit of a lesson here in farming, and I don't know a lot about it, but I do know this, that the hen has but one thing on her mind, uh, what's called a brooder, has one thing on her mind, one thing and one thing alone, and that is to sit on those eggs in the nest and brood over them, providing heat and providing protection and all that happens there. It's kind of crazy. Not, not every hen is a brooder. And uh, I've, I've read, when I had hens, I read about a little bit about hens, and I read the stories of some that tried to use a, uh, a golf ball, put in the uh, nest to, to uh, uh, have the hens start to brood and so on. But the truth is, you can't, if a, if a hen, can I say this, if a hen is not interested in brooding, nothing is going to make them brood, okay? So when you've got a brooding hen, you've got a valuable, valuable creature right there, and she will fend off, I saw this with my own eyes, she will fend off snakes on the farm, and, and we call them chickens, but the truth is, I know grown men that would run from a snake, but a brooding chicken won't run from a snake. She'll like that. That's what they do. You know it. Those of you who know a little bit about uh, chickens, no, I'm not talking about the gospel bird down at Kentucky Fried, but you know about chickens, but a, a hen will protect a hen will cluck and start to ruffle the feathers and it'll squawk and it refuses. It'll sit there and allow itself to be eaten alive and it will not move from brooding on those eggs. Ah. Now, I said all that to say this. 
that there's only one reason why a brooding hen sits on those eggs. Remember, that's what the word is here. And the word of God, or the spirit of God moved. Okay? The hen sits on those eggs for one purpose and one purpose alone. Yeah. She wants to. That's it. She wants to sit on those eggs. I watched, I had one hen set for 20 days on six eggs. I don't know if the thing ever got up to eat. I didn't have a camera back then to put in there to see. But, I mean, that thing would not move. And every time I walked in, I mean, I had the feed. I had the water in my hands. I'd walk in, I'd walk in that hen house and it'd bark, 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 bark. I said, just simmer down. She'd look at me and said, bark, 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 bark. I don't care about you. Get out of here. Didn't want me interfering at all. What am I saying? I'm, I'm saying all that to say this, that the Holy Spirit of God, as he broods over you, he doesn't, listen to this, you have nothing to offer him, do you? You say, well, you know, I have degrees. My father used to say, degrees, but no heat. <laughs> so you have nothing to offer him. He hovers over you. He hovers over you. He moves over you for one reason and one reason alone. It's because he wants to, plain and simple. Can I tell you today, the only reason God the Holy Spirit moves on you is because he wants to. I offer him nothing. He moves because he wants. You know, the Holy Spirit of God wants, wants to move in your life today. He wants, he wants every, doesn't matter. You say, well, I feel like such a failure. Remember, without form, void, dark. He wants to move over your life. He wants to, hey, he wants to, you, who, preacher, you said it, a kick in the pants. He wants to move you. Oh, I do. He wants to move you. Simp, that's his purpose. He, it, he's not deterred by anything around him. And by the way, he is your protection, the same as that hen who broods over. The truth is, if that hen got, got over and said, well, I'm going out to the corner to get something to eat, and it's a cold day, those chicks wouldn't survive. He moves because he wants to. Matthew 23, 37, I've got this written down here. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are set unto thee, how often would I have gathered the, thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, but listen to this, and ye would not. There are times we just, we got our heels dug in. We don't want to pay the price to have the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives. You see, but God wants to. So God, the Holy Spirit, wants to move. He wants to move in on your day. He wants to move in on at your work when you're in that place where you say, I don't like this job. I, I work in a, a, a nasty environment. I'm struggling. I have, I have uh, issues with this whole situation. So he wants to move in on you, and he wants to make it possible for him to use you where you are. You know, I've been there. I was bivocational off and on again for most of my life, I guess. And um, I was pretty nasty places. But you know what? You are, we talked about darkness here. You are the only light in that dark, dismal disaster of a place where folks have no hope. And God, the Holy Spirit, who empowers you, will use you to affect that place if you'll let him. Patience, you see. He wants to move 
in with you or on you, I should say. He wants to, hey, he wants to uh, move in on you and clean up your house. He wants to move in on you and help you on the job. He wants, hey, pastor, he wants to move on you this day. He wants to move in when you have trials. He wants to move in when you're visiting the hospital or when you're in the hospital. I spent some time in the hospital just recently myself. Amazing. Uh, again, I'll tell you another story because I'm just about finished here. Just two weeks ago, I had a throat infection. My throat swelled up. I couldn't breathe. And uh, so I went to the hospital. I had an infection. had to have it dealt with. There was a man across. Um, there were seven beds in the room where I was in the emergency department. There was a man across from me, probably my age, just a doctor had just, we had a bit of conversation. I said, yeah, I got to have a CT scan of my throat. And he said, huh, you'll be here another seven hours. I said, thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> and he, uh, he said, yeah, he said, I've got some issues. And he said, I'm concerned about it. And his granddaughter was there, about 30 years old, with him. And then the doctor came in and they closed the curtain. And I heard a little bit of the conversation. And bottom line is, doctor told him he had cancer and it was not good and I'm, I'm so uh, I'm, I'm ticked at this point because I'm in the bed across from the man I had conversation with him I have no voice I have no voice what's this all about but I had gospel tracts in my jacket pocket I took the IV thing and moved it across the room got a tract that o only God can do this. I, I tell you, I'm not, I'm not telling you for the sake of telling stories. I'm not telling you uh, this to, to boast at all. I'm, I'm simply saying God will make a way. Do you understand that? God will make a way. It doesn't matter. God will make a way. Got the tract. The curtain went back. The doctor left. The granddaughter was weeping. I'd heard them talk just previous to the doctor coming in, talking about different religions, and he was telling her, I think he was a World War II veteran, and he was telling her about... Uh, traveling abroad, telling about d different religions and talking about the Muslims and Hindus and so on. And then he mentioned the Bible, and he said, I think that's the right one right there. And so I heard that, and I remembered it. I was in pain. I couldn't, I, I had no voice. <laughs> but I had a gospel tract, and I said, sir, sir. I got the tract out, and I said, could you do me a favor? <laughs> could you read this to me? I gave him the tract. The man who had cancer stood over my bed, and, or my stretcher it was, and read a gospel tract to me and to himself and to his daughter. And she said to him, said, Grandpa, you were talking about the Bible. That sounds, that sounds like the Bible. That sounds like something we could use. I'm not that smart, folks. Please don't say amen. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not that smart. God would leave me no peace. I'm trying to. I'm trying to clear my. <coughs> trying to clear my voice so I can say, Hey, do you know for sure if you die you're going to heaven? I mean, I've witnessed the folks in the hospital before. But I couldn't. And it says the Holy Spirit of God hovered over that place. Get that tract out of Larry. Now's the time, Larry. Now's the time. Get the tract out of the pocket. Call the man over. Ask him to read the tract, and he did. Now, I don't, I don't know the results of that, but I do know that man got the gospel. He read it. He read it verbatim to me when I'm laying there in the bed with IV in my arm. That's God. All I'm saying is God wants to move 
on you today. God wants to move on you when there's a death in the family. God wants to move on you when, when someone has cancer. God wants to move on you when you need help, when you need comfort, when you, need, uh, uh, w w when you desire to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God hovers over, wants to move on you. He wants to carry you through. Simple. You, you may say this morning, well, I have a, I have a, I have a child, that I'm a pastor, and I, but I have a child or a grandchild that is away from God and I need help. Oh, hey, that's a job for the Holy Spirit right there. Amen. You know, preacher said it just a few moments ago in the last session, if you, if you're one who does not pray, you're not one that will understand the power of God. Amen. You say, well, I, I need God's help in my, in my ministry, in my marriage. God can help. God the Holy Spirit can, God the Holy Spirit can change. <laughs> I joke with my wife. I say, you tried to change me for 50 years and things I do. Wipe your feet at the door, you know. Uh, things like that, and I just forget. For 50 years, I've forgotten to do that. <laughs> I said, you, you can't. I said, you've tried to change me for 50 years, but you know, the Holy Spirit of God can change it, just like he changed you when you got saved. Your self, hey, do you agree with me this afternoon? Your salvation was instantaneous. It wasn't a progressive thing. And the Holy Spirit of God can change another person. You can't change another person. All you can change is yourself. But the Holy Spirit of God can change an individual in an instant. He wants to. He wants to. He wants to. Well, we've got to wind it up here. How's my time? What have I got left? Ten minutes? Okay, landing soon. So we saw the world on which God moved <laughs> without form, void, darkness. We saw the way in which God moved, brooding over. You'll remember the story about the brooding hen, but won't remember the message, but that's okay. And then also, the word he spoke when he moved. Look back at Genesis again. This is, to me, I could not let go of this when I, when I had these thoughts reading this over. I could not let go of it. It wouldn't let go of me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, get that? The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the Bible, in some areas, it's very interesting. It refers to the Spirit of God, or it refers to, the, I'm sorry, to the, the water as the Word of God. How about that? How about that? Did you get that? Refers to the Word of God. Wor the water represents the Word of God. And when the Spirit of God moved the waters upon the face of the earth, he moved upon the face of the earth, of the waters. It connects the Holy Spirit of God with the scriptures of God, without a doubt. And when the Spirit of God moved, he moved upon the face of the waters. How about God's Spirit moving on God's scriptures? That, to me, makes a lot of sense right there. It seems so elementary, but it's the way God works. Ephesians 5.26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it through the washing of water by the word. John chapter 4, verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Ha! Huh. Remember the old song? I'm an old guy, probably the oldest guy in the room. Jesus gave her water that was not from the well, gave her living water that sent her forth to tell. 
She went away singing, came back bringing others for the water that was not from the well. That's the best I can do. So, <laughs> But can I say, listen to this. Uh, I'll wrap up with this last point here. We live in a day where churches want one or the other. Listen, they want Holy Spirit power where they can take a fit and jump around and praise the Lord and shed tears. and You know, that, that's not wrong in and of itself, but it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's all emotion. They want that, but they don't want the Word of God. Obviously, they wouldn't function that way if they did. But on the other hand, the other churches who haven't seen the moving of the Holy Spirit of God for four decades, cold and dead, but theologically abound to educate the world. They know doctrine up and down and inside out, know truth, but they're oblivious to the working of the Spirit of God. I see a man drowning. I'm not going to shoot him a text on how to build a life raft. You see, we don't, we don't need one or the other. We need both. We need the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Are you with me? We need the Holy Spirit of God to stir, to brew, to shake up, to agonize, to saturate us with the anointing of His presence and melt our hearts and let the Word of God saturate our hearts as well. So when God moves, it's not so we can get a thrill or an emotional high or goosebumps or brag about the excitement down at the local church, but so as He can come and take the Word of God and speak to our hearts. Very interesting. The Bible says, number one, the Holy Spirit of God moved. Number two, it speaks about the fact that God said. And number three, it speaks, we don't have time to go on to it, but it speaks about the fact that God saw. When the Holy Spirit of God moves and God says something, you better watch for something to happen. You better see something happen. I did in my life. When the Holy Spirit of God moved on me and I was presented with the Word of God by my own Father, I saw clearly that I was a sinner in need of salvation. That's all I'm saying. He took the world that was worthless, empty, and did something special with it. Huh. It's very special. And then he, obviously, he spoke when he said he spoke some things to an in existence. Huh. Wow. This is incredible. A word that was worthless. He said, okay, he said to the, he said to the body of water, Sea, you move over there. Fresh water, you move over there. Sand, there's your line in the sand. You see what I'm saying? He put it together. That which is worthless, he put together. He took a world that was worthless and put it together. These waves don't go any farther. Oh, get this. How about this? The Bible says that God created trees. <laughs> Again, you may, you may mark me down as crazy. That's okay. But when God, in the day of creation, created trees and put them in their place, he was thinking about me because out of the wood of the trees that were created by him, a cradle was made that would one day end up in a little town called Bethlehem. But not only that, let me go a step further. Jesus Christ died on a tree. God, at the, one of the days of creation, when he created the trees, he was thinking about me knowing that a cross would be made out of one of those trees one day. I tell you what, that does something for me. I don't know. I'd like to say when he made the fresh water that he knew about baptism, but you'd call me a Campbellite then or something. So <laughs> I, just, I just throw that in. But uh, 
And also, he knew there'd be guys like Preacher. And he said, we got to make some animals to shoot. <laughs> so a deer, buffalo, with the deer and the antelope to play. And then he said, oh, some people like to drop a line in the water every once in a while. We'll put some fish in there. You see what I'm saying? God took that which was worthless and empty and filled it up back then. Just the story of creation, but this talks a lot to me about the very fact of my being here today, knowing that God made a way for me back in one of those seven days to prepare for my coming and prepare for his coming, I should say, and I could be saved, empty, worthless. So funny thing is, and I got, I'll close my notes up, preacher, so you got hope and don't have to come up here and walk me off. <laughs> But it, it, it's funny. We live in a, 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 a climate-crazy people. I heard that they're with, with huge funds. They're, 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 trying to build, they're trying to build something to dim the sun and uh, some kind of a curtain to put around it or something. First of all, it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn up. You heard about the astronaut that built a wooden vehicle to go to the moon or the sun? But they're... If, if you check your Bible, you don't have time to look at it, but there was light in the world before God put the sun in place. So guess what, folks? We're going we're gonna to be okay. If they put the moon, put the sun in a bag and take it away, we're going to be okay. God's got it. Because you know why? Anywhere God is, there's light. Huh? I mean, that, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've covered anything about laboring together, but <laughs> I, th I think I have. All I'm saying is you labor in vain unless you do not partner up with the Holy Spirit of God and you've got to make yourself available and you've got to put yourself in a position that God, the Holy Spirit, can freely use you and direct you. Don't grieve him. Don't offend him. Don't shun him. Let him use you and you will be surprised. Can I say that? Amen. What the Lord has done. Yep. Oh, my soul, we need it. So There's a movement of God that you and I need, every one of us. I don't know any of you really well, but all of us need the Holy Spirit power of God Amen. to function, not just pastoring and preaching, but to function as a human being, to function as an individual, as a Christian. Hey, is there ever a time that things have been so dark, not in my lifetime, as today? We need to be a bright and shining light for the Lord Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit of God, that God may light a pathway for those who are outside this door, who are worthless and who are empty and who are miserable. And God and God alone can do it, but he needs vessels. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, this afternoon I pray that you'd help us to heed your word and understand, God, that you've done it all for us. The first chapter of the Bible is a lesson to us that you've done it all for us. All we need to do is make ourselves available. Preacher.